Welcome back to the Combat Corner with the Hot Box Heroes on Split It With The Fan Productions. And today we are covering the post-fight of the last main event card of the year, uh, Leon versus Colby Covington. And before we even get into the card, this card was a great card to end the year. All the fights were basically bangers. Um, You got anything else you want to add to how the card was? I say most of the fights were bangers. Yeah, most of the fights, probably like one or two, kind of missed um, the intensity, or it didn't go the way that we thought it might have went. But um, let's hop into it. We're gonna start with the early prelims, and my boy, take it away. So yeah, we started the night with uh, Martin Boudier versus Shamil Gaziev, and yeah, it kind of just went how how we kind of predicted it, like. Boudier's been taking advantage of he has pretty good stamina for a heavyweight, pretty big guy, and um and he just kind of takes advantage of people that don't have the stamina uh, as good as him, but he didn't really have the technique as much. And Shamil Gaziev just had him in the clinch as was just working him. You could just tell his punches were really affecting him. He was landing them with good um good intentions and then he started putting Boudier on the back foot. Started hurting, hurting him, and then, um, and yeah, he just finished him in the second round. He had him hurt at the, he had him hurt in the first already. Had him covering up and stuff. Then going into the second round, he just finished the job. That's what I like to see, man. Oh, let's see if Gaziev next year what comes up for him, what other fights may be on his horizon. But let's see. Heavyweight division got a lot of, a lot of fighters. Definitely, you know, as we talked about before, we're seeing like the less fat fighters, fat big fighters, and more so now in shape fat fighters. Um, but okay, now on to the next bout, the featherweight bout, uh, Andre Philly versus Lucas Almeida. Yeah, this was a good one too. Um, I mean, good for Andre Philly. We didn't yeah, really man. see much, honestly. He put him away pretty quick. As he should, man. Philly been in the game for a while, as we said. We basically saw him grow up in this UFC division. Um, hopefully, you know, keeps up a streak. And, you know, maybe, I don't know if a title shot will be on the horizon anytime soon. But let's see if he just keeps up the steam, uh, starts steamrolling his opponents again. And, and it could be interesting. Yeah, it was a good, 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 good uh, right hand. He dropped on him and just finished it off on the ground. I think it could have, could, you could say it was an early stoppage, but Lucas Almeida just wasn't showing a lot of, uh, let's say, potential in that fight. Yeah. So it is what it is. Sure. But shout out Philly, man. It's always nice to see him in the ring. Okay, now to the last of the early prelims flyweight bout. I'm gonna let my boy take it away here. Yeah, we got Tagir Ulambeka versus Cody Durden. And this well, one, yeah, this one went a little different from uh, I don't remember if you were on the same side as me, it went a little different than how I predicted it. Um, I was with Ulabegnov. Okay, okay, you got it then. Um, but I thought. Like, I did think he would have been taking it to the ground a little more. He definitely had the first round striking. Um, He tried some cage pressure. But I guess during that second round, we get we get to see Cody Durden. Like, he started folding a little bit. And then <laughs> Olenbeg was just having the precision. Like, he had his hooks in. 
he he was getting everything correct in in the movement of the grappling. Mm-hmm. I think I got too caught up in the performance Sagir had against um you know hindsight's twenty twenty, but I feel like I was looking at the Tim Elliott performance a little bit too much. Okay. And I seen Sagir get put on the back foot, and his defensive grappling wasn't that good in my opinion. And that's basically what Cody Durden does. He just keeps on grappling, and he just you know he he kind of reminds me of like Colby Covington when he actually decides to fight like. He throws a bunch of volume. It might be a little sloppy, but he's just trying to get the takedowns. And I thought that might affect um, Ulembekov. But another thing I forgot is that these American wrestlers, a lot of the times, they just um, they implicate them. So they put themselves in bad positions just to yeah. try and get the takedown. And we saw that. He was giving away his back uh, for the first round. Because it's ended a couple in times. second, right? Yeah, he was giving up his back. He was giving up his neck. And to gear, you know, that Sambo type of wrestling style it, it it incorporates the jujitsu and the wrestling a lot better than just traditional american wrestlers so he just took advantage of that and um yeah he took he, he just did what he had to do on the ground he got the dope yeah good for him okay now to the prelims yeah we got the f- go ahead my fault um now nah, you could go ahead take this away bro all right we got um Casey O'Neill versus Ariane Lipsky. And before we get the, into this, do you do you um I'm seeing that this was performance of the night. Did you see that with this fight? Performance of the night. Wasn't there another woman's fight? The yeah. Casey O'Neill versus I know both of them ended up kind of bloody, but I forget which one was more bloodier. It definitely was the Irina Aldana versus Kyle Rosa coming yeah, up. That, that was deserves that was the... fight of the night. This they gave this a performance of the night bonus. Yeah, now nah, I don't I don't, I don't think know this about is a that. performance of the night. I'm gonna be honest. I it was a good show on though. the card. It was a good win for Ariana Lipsky. Yeah, I'm not sure about performance of the night for that. But as we said, we we said Ariana Lipsky's gonna come in here and be more the dominant fighter in the ring from the standing to the cage aggression to the ground and pound and the grappling, but um, you know, I'm waiting to see what Ariana Lipsky has to bring further up the division. Hopefully, he could climb the flyweight bout. Is an interesting bout in the women's division. Um, but yeah, fight of the performance of the night. I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't that. It wasn't like a dominant. It wasn't. It was like it's kind of what I predicted. You know, Arian Lipsky just had a little bit more aggression to her. And I think Casey O'Neill's been kind of used to being able to just kind of try to walk through these girls. And she doesn't really have the, like, giant advantage over them to even do that. So I just thought her aggression might do her a lot. And then we've seen, you know, she got a submission in this one. That's not really what she's known for. So um, good for her. Good, nice submission. Um, I kind of I want to go back. I remember there was a couple, maybe this is during COVID. I'm forgetting this now. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Dana was just handing out bonuses for like finishes. Just anytime you got a finish, you will probably get a bonus. I feel like we should go back to that. Okay. Because I feel bad I, for these other guys. You know, I feel bad for these other guys. If 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 you're, I don't know. Let well, me was just, it the I'm last not... card where Dana, like he brushed out like ten performance bonuses or something like that? I don't remember, but. All I just I I know they was worthy then. It's just I always feel like somebody's left out when shit like this happens. But then, I guess it is what it is. Okay, okay, understandable. 
Uh, with that, you know, not too much to talk about here. She got the submission, so we're going to move on to the next bout. Yeah, we got uh, Cody Garbrandt versus Brian Kelleher at Bantamweight. Now, you know, what I, what I saw was a, was a Cody that I remember seeing. Um, He got the KO knockout. It was a devastating, I think it was like an uppercut into a right hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, where is it? I didn't write this one down. Okay. But Brian Keller, he was folding to the pressure. You know, Cody comes in and he tries to throw a flurry of punches and then tries to connect with a solid one after. And we saw that. You know, we also saw a good movement from Cody. The chin was holding up too because I do remember he got a little hit like briefly and his chin was solid, and I was happy for him seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but great performance. It's nice to see Cody back taking a dub. Um, I know he was out on some injuries, and then, you know, he wasn't on the greatest winning streak. So how how did you like this fight? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy that it happened, you know. I'm happy that he got the dub, and I think – um, we're just we're just in a new Cody Garbrandt era. Like we shouldn't we shouldn't expect the past, because the past is what got him in this bad um spiral, you know. And we yeah. see him like it, he did the same thing against the Sunsau. Like he was very defensive. Um, he was kind of fighting off the back foot for a little bit. We I, so we seen Kelleher trying to hold him up on the cage, but his um his uh defense helped him get off get out the clinch and stuff. And then when he he got a couple shots in, we seen him kind of slow down too. We seen him try to, yeah, he seen his patient. brain turn off for a second and be like, oh, let me just try and get this guy out. And he he slowed it down. He he did a couple more blitzes, and after hit him hitting him a couple more times, you know, getting defenses down, he really just put the pressure on and finished him. And I think that's a good sign for him. I feel like didn't he have like a welt on his on his shin? I think he checked um, the kick, and there was, like, a big welt on his shin. Damn, I don't remember that. I don't but remember. shout out to Cody. Uh, he mixed it up pretty well. As you said, You we saw him in the ring take his time. Saw him try to put it together, connect the pieces. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how he holds up in the future um, against other people in the bantamweight division. But I'm excited to see it. Did you hear the call out at the end? I, I forgot who he called out, but I remember he called he out. He called out um, oh, Davidson Figueroa. Yeah, I think that would be an interesting fight. I think that would be fun. That would be and a cool fight, but I might have to go with Figueroa here. I'd probably go that way too, but I just want to, you know, I don't know what Cody Garbrandt sees for the rest of his career, mm. but um, if he's still trying to make a title run, it's time to you know stop fighting the Kellehers, the Asan Siles, these guys. For sure. I know. I think he's had an acclimation period. If he's Ready to test himself, see if he could, you know, handle the top five. It's time to do that. And, and Davidson figure it will be a good good test. I mean, it will be a good matchup. You know, movement heavy. Uh, this new Cody, as you said, we see him take his time, put the pieces together. So it's definitely a great fight. And if they can match make it, shout out then. Facts. All right. Now to the one. Wait. Before we even go on to the next bout. If anything, Cody should have got performance of the night. You see what I'm slept, saying? He slept Kelleher. He slept him. And Philly slept uh, 
fucking Lucas Almeida as well. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get into that because that you know I'm not I'm not that smart to really be. But right. I feel like some money could be passed around. I feel like there should be maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe there should be a smaller finish bonus. You know, I think that that would make the that would make the fights more interesting too. If you just had a smaller uh, incentive to get a finish too. Okay, I agree totally. Uh, it gives the fighters more more motivation to go out there and, and give it their best performance. Yeah, and then the performance of the knights would kind of mean more too if you. If you lowered the value of of just the finish, and then if you have a really good performance as well, then you might get a, a higher bonus. Maybe yeah. that's the solution. Yeah. Facts. Um, okay, so women's bantamweight bout. Yeah, we got Irene Aldana versus Carl Rosa. This now, was a this... slugfest. Yeah. This was a straight up, as you said. And as we said, this was kind of a you hit, I hit situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's crazy, I remember we were talking about how this card is going to go. And I was saying how both of these women have insane endurance. Yeah. Insane endurance. I, I say even better than some of the men. But what I would like to say here is I saw Irina Aldana like throw punches to Rosa's chin and she ate everything. Mm-hmm. Like she ate the I don't know what it is, the genetics, the water in Brazil, um even the water in Mexico, the chin endurance is on a different level. I wanna yo, I read Aldana's leg. That's, that's just willpower. Korean zombie type, like her leg. You could see the welts on it too, and she was just she. I don't think she started checking even one kick until she didn't check the really third anything, round, bro. I seen one little tiny check, and it still hit. Like she, I don't know how she did that because almost willpower. all of Carl Rosa's significant strikes was to her leg, one leg, one specific the spot. Leg. It was jab, cross, front leg kick, then jab, cross, back leg kick. All and hitting for Irene, the upper thigh. It was, it yeah. was wild. And for Irene Aldana to just keep the pressure on her the entire time, even through that, is crazy. You know, one thing I would say here, now thinking about it, she didn't, she didn't really even switch stances like that. She, she really didn't. kept her front leg forward the whole time. Almost all of Carl Rosa's significant strikes was to that leg, and it was consistent. It wasn't like I'm saying like Carl Rosa didn't throw. She was throwing a lot to yeah. that leg. And um, it had me considering, like, yo, how do you judge this? How do you judge this, honestly? Because we're talking about damage and significant strikes. But the fact that Irene Aldana was willing to, was not willing, but she was able to keep the pressure on the entire time. If she diverted from her game plan at any point while taking all that damage to her leg, the judges could see it as as significant damage and have her win rounds off of it. So, uh, you know, shout out to Irene Aldana for being able to keep that pressure at the same time because I feel like that's what really won her this fight. Because if Carol Rosa, if we, we were to start seeing, you know, Irene Aldana start limping on that leg, kind of back up a little bit, it would have went to Rosa's Rosa. favor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Same same thing, though. The pressure was constant from the beginning to the end. No matter what damage occurred, the pressure was one of the most amazing things I've seen 
and really a highlight of this card. Um, Irina, you know, we're always willing to see a bloodbath, but goddamn, son. Just goddamn, their faces were disfigured, bro. Yeah, they're a little messed up afterwards. Um, but this is the bantamweight division. Who is the champion of this division right now? I think it's vacant right now. Um, I forgot who's fighting for it. Yeah, it's vacant right now though. Wow, cause cause Nunes retired. What? Like I need to see Irina Aldana up the rankings to see how she would uh. Compete. I mean, she probably needs like a round, a fight or two because because of that fight with uh, Nunez. She didn't really do anything. But she so needs like to now check it's about kicks, building though. her name up. She needs to check kicks like immediately. Because mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest, we've seen some brutal leg kicks, and I thought I honestly thought maybe in the second to third round. Nah, it was just three rounds. So in the second round, bro, I thought she Rosa was gonna get like a TKO by leg kicks. Mm be very honest because it wasn't even like she lightly placed the leg there or like slapped the the foot on the thigh nah she was placing that shin in dominant yeah. places on the thigh mm-hmm. and for a foot to be able to hold up I'm pretty sure right now she cannot walk maybe yeah. she can the willpower is just different yeah it was it was a Korean zombie-esque performance to me that reminded me of that Yair Rodriguez fight where he was just Walking through all those leg kicks, certain people just have that ability, you know. Yeah. I would say I don't have that ability, but some people have that ability where they just don't register a leg kick as damage to them. They just keep going, and and as we've seen from this fight, Irene Aldana is one of those people. Yeah, we'll keep going, not yeah. stop. But okay, oh great fight! That deserved a fight of the night. They deserved right after that fight. Yeah, I'm happy they got good that. for them. Well. They left. They left mad blood in that ring, man. All right, so we got a great fight there. Uh, let's move on to the next fight: uh, light heavyweight bout, Alonzo Menafield versus Dustin Jacoby. This one was a bit of a. Disappointment. I'll tell you, I was very disappointed as well. Um, Menafield, I have some words to say here. You gotta add more to your game, bro. I need to see more dynamic striking. Uh, this one-trick pony with the left hook shit, bro, was getting me tight. I'm not going to lie. And after I saw... There was a combination. I saw Jacoby throw, and it got Menafield a little flustered back into the cage. Um, And then I just saw Menafield literally spam left hook like three times. Mm-hmm. He didn't throw anything else but left hook. And I'm like, bro, you're in this division. You're facing the Jacoby. You know, he's hitting you with different strikes, left, right. You know, jab, cross, hook, uppercuts, and all you're doing is countering with a left hook. I need to see more, especially if you're going up in this division. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to put this all on a Menafield. I feel like Dustin Jacoby are a seasoned kickboxer. Um, it's just kind of – his defense didn't look as as um, as strength – as strong as I usually see it as. Like, he just kind of seemed a lot more – um, his game plan was working for almost every round until he would get clipped. Yeah. And, and, um, and it's just like, I don't know. Like I remember in his past fights, I remember how defensive he was. Um, and I, I respected it. Like you could see him put his hands up. Like he kept his hands really low this fight. 
mm-hmm. don't know if he was expecting the takedown, which Alonzo with Manifield, I think he shot once the entire fight. Yeah, it wasn't uh, really. It was just pure stand-up encounters for Manifield. Yeah, Jacoby had his hands almost down to his hips, like, most of the fight. Um, I don't know, bro. It's just kind of I, – I, I know Alonzo Manifield didn't show a lot here. But that's usually what he does. What he does, and I expected just Dustin Jacoby as the as the season kickboxer to be able to to formulate and keep the game plan, and if needed to even be like adjusted a little bit. And he just didn't really do that. You know, as you said, Jacoby was fake. He was winning like the first round. Um, it was really the tides turned when he started getting clipped. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess that we can't like discredit Menafield for the power. Yeah. It must have been some insane power to clip Jacoby like that. But you know, I don't want to see you no know, one trick pony, you feel me? Right. It's the best way to say it. And even in the stand up when Jacoby was piecing up Menafield, Menafield's defense was like nothing, bro. He had, like, literally no defense. He wasn't even, like, covering up. He was just eating the shots to his body and head. Yeah. Uh, you can't you can't leave yourself wide open like that, especially going up the light heavyweight bouts where you got people throwing more dynamic strikes to your head. Um. So I need to see definitely more improvement in 2024 for Menonfield. Uh, I don't know if his camp is going to do that because uh, against Jacoby, I thought he was going to come in a little more structured. And not just rely on power, but I guess we see what happened. Um, now, my question to you is, if he didn't clip him, Jacoby probably would have won the whole fight. Absolutely. I think even with him getting dropped in the first round, I believe, um, I think he still could have won that round possibly. Um, and the third round, he was winning until the very end where he got really badly dropped. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in a, you could scavenge a win out of there, but it's just like, I didn't. I, I know you're, we, there's criticism to be had for Alonzo Menafield, but all of my criticism is really going for Dustin Jacoby because you're 35 now. It, it's like you know this is your time to. You had a really close fight with Khalil Roundtree. I think he won that fight personally, and you show like there's moments where you see Dustin Jacoby's like, okay, this guy's good. This guy's a good. I'm not saying he's gonna be the champ. I'm saying like this guy could be a gatekeeper on the top 10. He could be a, a great striking, a fun, stri- uh, underrated fun striker. And um, I don't know, maybe easy. it's the age or something like that. But, yeah, I, I really wasn't expecting this in this fight. Like, I don't know, bro. The defense wasn't there. The offense wasn't what I usually see either. Like, if you're going to be trying to pick him apart, that low leg kick was landing at first. He stopped doing that. Yeah, right. Um, the jab was just looking a little bit. I don't know. I mean, bro. the jab just, was going through. Yeah, anything, it didn't have the, the same was snap. Saving him. Yeah, it did. It didn't it have the same the snap same. that I've seen in other if other fights. And in most fights, Dustin Jacoby setting up that jab to try and get the cross in and, and really put some some damage on him. And I don't know. I feel like as soon as he felt some of Alonzo's power too, he uh, he was a lot more hesitant with it. And that's not going to win you rounds when you get dropped. So, yeah. yeah, maybe maybe it's just time for him. I don't know. Which is I mean, which is really sad for me because I, I he's one of the fighters I like. He's a real underrated fighter that I, that I had high hopes for. I had high hopes for Alonzo too, but he's really not showing anything now. Yeah, he definitely needs to add more shit to his game, man. Um, but okay, okay, Dustin is underrated for sure. 
hopefully, I know Dana's not going to drop him. He's going to give him another fight. Hopefully, he you know he does his thing in that next fight. Mm-hmm. All right, now to the main event card. Yeah, we got Josh Emmett versus Bryce Mitchell at featherweight to open up the the main card. <coughs> Jesus Christ, man! Yo, Bryce got sent to heaven, bro. Jesus to Christ! Be honest. He really looked like he got like put to bed. Like his hands kind of did a prayer motion too. It was just, and then the seizing. Oh my God! Nah, that was devastating. I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't ready. Like I was ready to see that, but at the same time. You don't really see that type of KO in a while, in a long time. Yeah. But as I said, I I put in a parlay yesterday all my picks for Josh Emmett to win as the first pick on the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he won. But as I said, you know, movement heavy. The striking is there. Bryce's, I don't understand. I think I heard while they were uh, coming out, walking out, the announcers were talking about how Bryce picked this up on like two weeks short notice or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was a short notice fight. Um, I, I was watching say, an interview. He got paid though. He got paid more, so I, uh, that's good for him. As he should, but not to say that fighters should not take short notice. I think if you're able to fight and you think you could win, take the fight. But Bryce coming in with no stand-up, literally. And what got me kind of tight is I understand in some of his previous fights, I forgot who he fought. He was showing off like, oh, he could drop somebody. He could do this, do that. That was against uh, Barbosa. He dropped yeah, Barbosa. You know, all, all props to you for dropping Barbosa. Cool. Cool. But, like, at the same time, bro, where's your stand-up at? And you're coming against Josh Emmett, movement heavy. Uh, he's going to come in with kicks, jabs, crosses, hooks at different angles. And we saw it happen. So I Yeah, think... I feel like it was the first first combo that Josh Emmett really threw, honestly, for the whole fight. He was just kind of walking him down until then. Yeah, until his hands connected. <laughs> first, first overhand, boom. And it was lights out, man. But that had to have been some... Like, that was that was a powerhouse right there that he connected with. I feel like Bryce Mitchell is kind of out of the – I feel like maybe when he first came in, he wanted to be a champ. I think he's out of that conversation. I think he knows that. And uh, I think he's I, shell-shocked right now, bro. I'm going to be honest. I don't want to speak for him or anything like that, but I think that uh, the, the wise move now would be to – because Bryce Mitchell is still a name in the division. He still has a good um, personality and stuff like that for the thing, so he's going to be popular. I think you should just try to pick some better tailor-made matchups for yourself. Some and people obviously to your game. Yeah, but you should you should make a you should turn to a Arlovsky type of move or or a Jack Hermanson like these type of guys that Arlovsky you know he used to have it in him but once he realized his chin didn't have it anymore he switched the style he became very elusive win points. Um, Bryce Mitchell has the wrestling in his back pocket. For sure. So you, a Jack Hermanson game plan, like against uh, Curtis, uh, what's his name? Chris Curtis. Mm. That that would be a great style for Bryce Mitchell. Just keep people on the end with your kicks and wait for your moment to try and get them to the ground. Boom, you're fine, bro. Just, you know. Man, I should be a manager for these guys, man. <laughs> Yo. I mean, I support it. You're saying nothing but the truth here. Um, Bryce definitely has to. Not even has to. He needs to 
change his game plan coming into these fights now. Yeah. Um, and Taylor, get some tailor-made opponents too. Like, you're fighting some crazy – like, Ilya Tapuria, Bryce Mitchell, that is not – that's not it, bro. That's not it for you right now. I don't know if it'll ever be for you, but right now for sure, that's not the matchup you need. For sure. This oh. fucking orc. Just uh, just an orc of a man, fucking Josh Emmett. Look at this guy. I'm looking at the picture of this dude right now. <laughs> Weird-ass build, though. Come on. Man. That's a powerhouse hitting you right there, bro. Yeah. Be honest. So, uh, all props to Josh. Uh, 2024, let's see if he goes up the division. Possibly, you know, could put himself in as, as a contender for a title shot. Um. But I do need to go through the rankings of the featherweight division again to see who he really has above him. He got beat by a lot of people on the top, so uh, it's going to take him a couple fights now, but he got a good name under him and Bryce Mitchell. Yeah, for sure. I just hope that doesn't become a habit for all these fighters. Like, yeah, I'm going to just get Bryce Mitchell. I'm going to just, you know. Hopefully not, man. Hopefully yeah. not, because as you said, his ground game is one of the best. It's doing great wonders for him somehow, some way, and he needs to change his game plan. Yep. But okay, now on to the lightweight bout. This is the one people have been talking about for a while. Yeah, Tony Ferguson versus Patty Pimlet. So Patty was also on my parlay to take the dog. And as we've seen, I was also, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. I'm a Patty Batty fan, but I was disappointed in his performance. That's tough. I was very disappointed in his performance. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm off the, I'm off the. I like Patty Pimlet because of the things he speaks about. He seems like a cool dude, but his fighting, he's, he's not showing me enough improvement in between fights. To watching this fight, especially in the first round, I thought Tony Ferguson might catch this guy and put him away. And mm. Tony Ferguson, compared to what he was, is basically a geriatric patient, bro. Basically escape from retirement home like this guy can't fight the same way he used to and i was still nervous for patty pimlet because the way he strikes with his head up hands down absolutely no head movement bro any lightweight that's actually worth their salt bro is gonna they're gonna catch you bro i agree him patty going up in the rankings to having to fight upper-ranked people, he's going to lose. That's why I'm so disappointed. If Tony um, Ferguson ran into, uh, if Tony Ferguson ran into Patty Pimlet instead of uh, Michael Chandler, I'm jacking. He would have killed him. That probably, fight. most likely. If that Tony Ferguson faced Patty Pimlet, I think he would have killed him. Um, you know, and then Patty, he gasped, and then he gasped by the third round. That's that's what really had me so disappointed, bro. Because I'm like, how you're getting? Like, I understand you're fighting Ferguson. Ferguson, you know. That's a no-quit spirit. He's going to be on top of you. He's going to be throwing something at your direction at all times. Okay. I understand that. You're going to be winded. But he was looking slow. He was looking tired. Um, If, if like, I dare say, if he wasn't able to take Tony to the ground, he would have definitely lost the third round for sure. Mm-hmm. And then probably Tony would. They probably would have gave it to Tony, to be honest. Um, so Patty, I need to see more improvement, more striking improvement, uh, stance improvement. And I don't know what else to say here. You know, Tony was, 
Tony was cool. Honestly, he Tony did better than I thought he was going to do this fight, to be honest. Yeah. You know, so that there for him. I you peeped uh Goggins trying to talk to him in the ring and then he finally got in the ring. I don't bro, I don't um I didn't support that. I don't think it's anything like I like David Goggins as a personality and stuff. I don't I don't know. I don't know. If I, I I don't want to be like that hater from like oh everybody who watches MMA now like uh, I don't need I don't care about it in the ring. I don't care. I'm trying to watch a fight. Like, this is professional fighting. I want to see a a coach come in there and and tell you strategy. I don't need you to like. This is a problem with um Kobe Covington too, in my opinion. Um, I want to see actual coaching. I don't want to see inspirational like, you know, uh, this is a. This, this isn't a championship fight. You don't need any inspiration to get in there. Like, Tony Ferguson has inspiration. Like, give him some actual, like, get the real coach in there. Like, all this stuff is just so dumb. I agree. I've seen, seen what it saying. did. Yeah, You've seen yeah. what it did. Tony Ferguson is talking all this shit in the, in the, in the presser. He, he has to hate Patty Pimlet. He has to act like, oh, all my losses are because of this or that, and it's going to be different this time. Well, let's be honest here. Like, come on. Patty looked terrible. He did, and, and prime Tony Ferguson would have killed this guy. Uh, that's that's why it's I'm just time to admit it. Patty. It's just time to admit it, bro. For Tony Ferguson, your career's done, bro. Sorry, yeah, bro. I think he should retire. Um, I heard in the post fight interview, Dana was even saying to Tony that you know he should retire. Um, but then I also, I think we were talking about this before covering this card how. You know, other than Patty, Tony wasn't really handed anybody that he could really handle, you know? Yeah, they were giving him the killer's role. They were giving yeah. him monsters. But you know what you can do also? You could say no to a contract. You could say no <laughs> to a fight. You could you could say, hey, can we set this up? You could go on social media and set a fight up nowadays. I agree. You know what I'm trying I to say? Agree. Like, Tony Ferguson is a big personality. He could get fights. I don't. You're picking the worst fight matchups, and then you get Patty Pimlet at the very end, and now you get Patty Pimlet's building his career off of you. You've seen the damn uh, shame. RDA called out Patty Pimlet. No, I didn't see that. But isn't RDA's fighting? RDA's yeah, fighting though. Uh, some guy in I think what what is this welterweight? I think he's fighting in welterweight. No, nah, RDA's going back to lightweight. He's fighting Gamrot. Oh yes, yeah, my fault, my fault. He's fighting Gamrot at lightweight, so I don't know what he's doing. Everybody want after seeing that, who wouldn't want to call Patty Pimlet out if you want your name to get up in light in lightweight? I agree. You know? well, I RDA think Patty might Pimlet, kill Patty though. At this point, Patty Pimlet should just he should probably get that Jared Gordon um rematch. rematch. I think that should I mean, what else are you gonna do, bro? Take your time, improve get your some game, more fights and stuff. Get your cardio back up, bro. Cause yeah. that was so disappointing, bro. I like the third round, literally, if he was like five percent more winded, Tony would have won that fight. Um. So yeah, Patty. Like as I said, I am a fan, but I have to say the truth. And Patty, it's not looking good right now. Yeah. But all right, now to another fight that we've been talking about for a while. Yeah, Shafkat Rachmanov versus Stephen Thompson at welterweight. Yes, Shafkat was also on the parlay. Um, this won my first parlay, so shout out Shafkat. Um, how did you? How did you see? How did you like this fight? Like, how did you think about this fight? Man, it was boring. 
that's what all the grapplers are welterweight. That's what they do with Stephen Thompson, bro. You go, you, you don't you don't risk it on the feet with this guy. I agree. You know you could hold him on the fence for an entire round because Stephen Thompson doesn't really reverse positions off the in the clinch off the fence. And honestly, with his style, even when you decide to strike with him for a while, you're gonna eventually get into the clinch on the cage with him. It's just kind of how it works out with his style because he's always bouncing off the back foot. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of just works into, especially works into Shafkat Rachmanov's type of uh, grappling because he likes to cage grapple off the fence because he's so tall. He doesn't really shoot for legs that much. Did you see so, that point in the fight? Maybe it was in the first. I don't think it was in the second. I think it was in the first where I think he had Wonder Boy on the ground at some point and he started trying to throw elbows. I got so nervous for a Wonder Boy. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, but it was very, it was very like nonchalant. Like it didn't even seem like Shavkat had a lot. He wasn't even going hard. Like it just yeah, seemed that's like, what I, that's what had me surprised. Cause yeah, you know, I thought I thought when I saw the elbows pop out, I thought it was about to be the end of the fight. Um, but I guess Shavkat was like, you know what? He wanted to handle it differently. He got his submission. Um. But he got that submission, like, maybe five seconds away from the round ending. Yeah, but it just would have been another round of that shit. I was fine with it happening, you know? It is what it is. You know, I've never seen Wonderboy hop back in the ring, face yeah. somebody else, you know? As you said, if you're striking with Wonderboy, Wonderboy always has a chance. Um, Maybe next time for Wonderboy... Probably just try to apply a little more pressure with the kicks, get a little more movement out there, and you know, get yourself a dub. I know that wonder. I know that Wonder Boy is still trying to make the run up to the title, and honestly, the way the division is stacked up, like he could. But you got to be a little more tactical. I know that the names above you were kind of booked up, but you were about to fight Michelle Pereira before this. You know, like just find a just find somebody on the bottom, beat him. And just keep your name relevant, get a get a paycheck, and then wait, wait your wait your time for, for a better matchup. Like Shafkat Rapunov is one of the worst matchups right now. Yeah. He's just gonna build his name off of you. That's he's 18 and 0 now. Yeah, he's at, he's young as hell. Like at least fight uh like one of these older guys if you have to, you know what I'm trying to say? Like I understand he, the match he should pick his matchups just, a little better. Yeah. Um but also, I know he's trying to fight up. I know he's trying to fight up, but come on, bro. Like, it's okay to just pick a nice matchup sometimes. Yeah, I'm, and then I'm not wait for your opportunity. But I think he does need to apply a little more pressure. Cause imagine, yo, imagine if Stephen Thompson waited a little bit. Maybe he fought a lower ranked guy. I don't have the rankings in front of me right now. Right? Let's say he got a nice, easy matchup. Fighting somebody he shouldn't even be fighting, but he's done that for a while now. He's fight, fought people like way lower than him, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say he just had a fight in between, tune-up fight, just keep himself fresh, and you wait. And after the results of, of the main event, right? Kobe Covington needs somebody. Why not? I mean, I'm going to be... Well, okay. All right, so the way I see it, Wonder Boy, like, not to say age is a is a factor, but like, how long is he gonna wait, and who is he gonna wait for? You know, that I feel like those are the questions. But but this isn't helping him. You know, what I'm trying to. Oh say, yeah, I like, agree. It's not helping him, and he should definitely take somebody helps. lower ranked. Yeah, a win streak helps either way. It doesn't matter what names you have on on that win streak. 
your name, Wonder Boy's name in itself is enough. Wonder Boy with a five fight win streak or something like that, one good fight that gets him a title shot. And if he had waited a little bit longer, again, a lot of things I'm saying here right now are hindsight is 2020. You know what I'm trying to say? But um, if he had waited just a bit longer, knowing the results of the main event now, I would not, I, I, if you got to f- take a chance with any of the grapplers in the division as Steven Thompson, do it with Kobe, bro. Yeah. And that would have been nice for you because we'll get into that. But yeah. So now to the co main event, uh, Flyweight title bout was on the line. Yeah. And we had Alexandra Pantoja fighting Brandon Roy Val. Now, okay, we could talk about this one because we saw some stuff. Well, I saw some stuff in this fight. And one thing I have to say is Pantoja's a beast, We, but we already knew that. Mm-hmm. The only fault I saw in Pantoja's game plan was that I think he came out really too excited and he was rushing the first and second round a lot. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I... from the rushing, you know, he probably exhausted a little bit faster. Um, but even in the exhaust, he was still placing his moves. But I would say to Royval's advantage, and more, I would say the fourth and fifth round, when Pantoja was a little more exhausted, Royval was hitting him. He was still piecing him to his face. Like, mm-hmm. a few hooks and stuff came through. And, and you know... On a championship bout, I, I won't think you want to leave it for your chin to be the deciding factor if you're going to be able to take this punch or not, especially at the title caliber. Mm-hmm. And the scary thing is that, like, like Pantoja ate. I seen him eat a flush head kick, yeah, a knee, a the knee that we seen Roy Val absolutely obliterate um his last opponent with. I seen him yeah. take that on the chin as well. I seen him take a head kick behind his ear, a uh, a knee straight to the chin. I saw some punches. And this guy didn't even fucking stumble, bro. The only thing, the only sign of wear and tear that you see on Pantoja is from being tired. Yeah, from the exhaustion. He's getting absolutely flickered with jabs the entire fourth and fifth him. round. He's a beast. He's uh, he's terrifying, and I feel like people aren't really like talking about it enough this guy is scary bro and i think that he rises to the ability of who he's fighting because when we the brandon moreno fight moreno never stopped moreno did not stop it was non-stop offense and he was trying to put him out on both sides yeah and pantoja was giving it right back and we seen him tired in that fight too so i think pantoja is just one of those guys that looks tired and he he is tired but his tiredness does not determine the fight, like certain guys, you see that they as soon as they get tired, you see it just fall off. Yeah, he he's obviously not going to throw with as much output, but we've seen Roy Val not willing to even commit to his combos in the fourth and fifth round, seeing an opponent gassed out in front of him, and that tells you that the shots coming back from from Pantoja, no matter how light they may have seen, they rocked Roy Val to the oh, point where he was nervous to keep throwing. You saw those leg kicks Pantoja was throwing? Yeah, and the body kicks too. And that's the thing. Pantoja, is, the scary thing is Pantoja can afford to do three fuck the same exact kick three times in a row to the, 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 the leg. Uh, he threw a leg kick three times in a row, hands down everything. And Royval was not willing to exchange. 
He was not willing to 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 even throw the right hand to to fucking stop that to counter that you know. So Pantoja is a different beast, but th- this did give me hope because Brandon Moreno gets better with every single fight. So yeah, I don't yeah. want to look past his next opponent, but if he does get past Albazi, um, I'm excited to see that fight again. You know, and, yeah, Toroy Val. I would say, you know, the first the first three rounds in this fight, I would have to go with Pantoja. The last two, I'm still going with Pantoja, but it started to get a little scarier because Roy Val, especially in the fifth, he tried to he tried to do a little more something. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe he should have done that in the fourth. Maybe it could have been a little different there, but I still think with. Pantoja even being exhausted, the shots that he was landing on Roy Val were definitely making Roy Val question if he should keep pressure, stay at bay, and or even change the game plan. Um, but then you know Pantoja, a beast, went for the double legs, single legs, and and really slammed him to the ground. That's scary too because we see this man completely exhausted, but still he's doing power double. Like yeah. what the fuck is that? I, that's I've seen this I was guy surprised from. look like, is this guy going to come off a stool? He looks mad tired to immediately right off into the round, going for a shot, not getting it originally, then just power fucking blasting this guy to the ground. This guy has a different type of heaviness to him. That's what I described it as the other day, the other night when I was watching it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember. I think it was the fourth. It was either the fourth or fifth round. It was like a desperation shot that Pantoja oh, yes. shot, right? I remember. And he got hit on the way in, too. Yes. He lands and on the he, legs. But I feel like he fell into the takedown, too. Yeah, he fell into the takedown while getting hit, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Usually when you see that, it means this takedown's not going for shit. Yeah. The guy barely even clasps his hands together again uh, around Royval's legs, and Royval can't even shuck him off. It immediately turns into a takedown. And, and, and that's a hard takedown of that, too. And you got to think, this is at 125. Like, I know these guys, you know, they rehydrate and stuff like that. But these are not massive guys. But this guy's, like, gravity on the ground is insane. And I, I feel agree. like every single it's fighter has best. to be worried about it. Um, it's one of the best in the game. He's moving with weight that's maybe double his size. And off of a jiu-jitsu base, too. There's no Dagestani wrestling here. No, it's, it's just jiu-jitsu done right. Like, we've seen a lot of jiu-jitsu... The name of jiu-jitsu has been really soiled because of certain people coming in just looking for leg locks. And yeah. all of that can work. But you know what I'm trying to say? Like, this is effective grappling. Where yeah, this was great performances. Yeah. So, yeah, scary guy. Pantoja Shout out to American Top guy. Team, too. Yeah. Helping create this beast, man. Um, Pantoja, the only fault was the exhaustion that I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see in the post-fight interview, he was talking about how uh, he was surprised Roy Val was able to slip out some submissions and not go down. But then he did say that when Roy Val was punching him back, he like he told himself that, yeah, these, these punches are not doing anything to me. <laughs> and I was like, ain't no way. He's a beast, and then he apologized for not getting the finish too. I respect that. Yeah, yeah I respected that. So yeah, cool guy. I could hardly understand the words coming out of his mouth sometimes, but he's still trying. Tell. He's a good vibes, good guy. 
So it's hard to hate him, even though, you know, I'm Brandon Moreno, one of his top fans, but it's hard to hate this guy. He he he's a good fighter, good guy. For sure. Um uh, twenty twenty four I heard he wants to fight in Brazil for uh the Brazil card coming up next year. That'd be sick. Feel me. Hopefully Dana might put all the Brazilians on that and maybe put Oliveira. That could be an insane card. Um, but all right. Now let's go to the main event fight of the night, bro. Yeah, Leon Edwards versus Kobe Covington. What an absolute embarrassment for Kobe Covington. And this is exactly what he deserved. Honestly, I just I was wish so he got happy finished. seeing this. Yeah, that's what really had me um I won't even say disappointed because I'm very happy for Leon, man. Yeah, I want to um, preface this. I want to preface this. Me, me and my co-host, as soon as we seen the press conference after we made our picks, I know we both regretted our pick. And we were sure. absolutely 100% going against our pick right away. I put um, on FanDuel Leon to win too. Like, I, I, I was not voting for Kobe in any other way. Yeah, Kobe Covington is a piece of absolute shit, bro. That guy's a never piece of do absolute that. Shit. And then to talk all that shit, and this is what you put out, bro. You look scared <laughs> as fuck, bro. That's the most. And this is like one of your final chances, bro. Exactly. And then at the end, he what got me like, I guess I can't say surprised because I can't be surprised by him no more after what stupidness he be doing. But I would say. At the end, when Joe Rogan was talking to him, he was like, oh, how he thought he won the fight. I'm like, nah, bro. But he picked up his hands after the, the last round, acting like he won, calling for the crowd to, like, cheer for him and shit. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I this guy sold, tight, he sold out his entire soul for, for this clout, and he's not realizing it's going to go away in a second. It it's is not, going away. It's going and away it's pathet- right now. Bro, Trump was walking out the fucking arena even before you were even done with your him, speech, bro. bro. It's pathetic. It's like it's just like one. Of, he's just like a loyal little dog that's trying to get his master's attention, bro. And Donald Trump just left the fucking arena. Hilarious. As he should, bro. Hilarious, I, bro. Nobody should be on Kobe's team no more. Um, Leon. You know, for all the questions I had for Leon, I saw the pressure he was applying. He kept the fight at the distance like he needed to. Um, the only thing, but I guess it's not a concern because i understand you know he was he was angry at the man so him going for the takedowns and choosing to be on the ground i guess that was a personal choice and that's the only moments where i was kind of like oh is something gonna happen but he handled himself very well i mean he had nothing to worry about because well like we're saying uh, american wrestling style these guys don't we're, they're so excited to get to the ground to do what? Lay on top of you, through, throw pitter-patter shots. Not looking for submissions, not looking to pass, nothing like that. So even in those 40 seconds or something of control time that Kobe had, he was doing nothing, nothing. with it. And if he tried to do that from the first round, he would have actually had a chance to win this fight. Because Leon Edwards, as much as I'm rooting against Kobe Covington, Leon Edwards did just enough to win that fight. And um, I, I get it, though. I get it. Because if you lost that fight, he, a lot more emotion had been put onto the fight for him, you know? Oh, so he made lot. sure he would win. Some people would think that would put a fire under him. He could make him come out more aggressive. But he kept it inside. He said, no, there's no way I could lose this. And he went even more defensive. So he did what he had to do to win the fight. He was cut. He was countering. Col- Colby couldn't even move. Yeah, Every Colby single move. Stuck. Um. 
Kobe had, Edwards was countering it. He was cutting off the cage every move he made. He Stuff was hunting him down, attempts. hunting him down, stuffing the takedown attempts exactly, and um, good for him. But this doesn't give us any answers because Kobe came out like a coward. Yeah, did absolutely Kobe, nothing. We didn't see the pressure that we talked about previously. Um, and, and it's sad. It's sad. It's sad because, you know, all the people that were saying, oh, this is his persona. It's just his persona. He absolutely shitted that out now. Like, sure. There's no chance. There's no chance of redemption here. Like, all your friends, your gym, all the every person that's had your back in the back. In the in the past, I mean, they're not here anymore, and there's only one common denominator: is you, bro. Like you are, you're you're holding yourself back for this clout that's gonna go away within one fight. Like, look, I didn't hear no cheers when he was when he waved his arms around and stuff. Ain't nobody was cheering for the man. In his head, he thinks. In his head, I feel like this man thinks that these fans love him. Nah, they love the fact that you're successful. As soon as that success goes away, these people don't give a fuck about you. And you just sold your soul for that, for that fame. And, and, and it's, it's disgusting. And, and then another thing, his, you don't even have real coaches out there. I don't know who the fuck is his coaching staff. I don't know I, who his team is, bro. This is, I a really couple, don't know. this is a couple fights now I've noticed his coaching staff. They say absolutely the same shit the entire fight. This guy was saying Leon Edwards is throwing hooks. So as soon as he throws a hook, go for the legs. Bro. Leon Edwards was throwing the 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 teep the entire time yeah. to prevent that. Just because he didn't throw an aggressive knee doesn't mean that he's not planning on it. You know, that he's not plotting on, on Kobe. So what Kobe's seeing in the cage and what his coaches are saying are completely two and different things. Two stupid things, bro, for real. And you're saying Leon Edwards is tired. He hasn't had to do anything the entire fight. He wasn't gassed. He's trying to give him inspiration. Like, I remember, I don't remember which fight it was. He was telling... He was telling Kobe, this was like two, three fights ago. He was telling Kobe to um, tell him to breathe and shit instead of giving him fucking actual advice, technical advice. And and that's what I wanted to, you know, I brought it up a little bit earlier, just about the coaching. Like, this shit is ridiculous now. Now we need that. You know who else had coaching kind of like that, which was disappointing? Cool. Some of the Tiger Showman's fighters. And the Tiger mm. Showman's coaches were coming in and be like, yeah, bro, um... We see he threw a jab. You know, just keep doing your thing. Like, what are you saying? Right. You're not giving any structural strategy. You're not even trying to help him piece together a combination or even give him a combination just to throw. Yeah. You're just, tell, you're just giving him a pat on the back and be like, all right, bro. Yeah. Try again. And like, what, what absolutely. are you doing? Absolutely. And we can't say that we're in these camps with these fighters, but this is just from what we're seeing. You have no other option. You can't go back to ATT. You can't go to any of the places that you train because they don't want you there because you're, you're a cancer. Like 99% of the, the gyms in USA probably don't even want it no more. Yeah, and it's crazy because you're going and you're saying that your fan base is these blue-collar Americans and all this and that. Bro, these people don't live the life that you do. They don't claim to be what they're not. They don't claim, like, it's pathetic. And now you're you're bunching in these hardworking people with politics and stuff like that. I don't want to get into all that. That's a different segment. That's a different time. Yeah. It's it's an entire contradiction. His entire personality. And it's a damn shame that it's a reflection of the society we live in right now. That this exactly. is this is this is the people that are getting popular as opposed to other as opposed to other people in this in this organization. You know, so, yeah. um, 
who's Kobe even fighting now? I have even no idea. I don't know. He said he's trying to bounce back. So, but, um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't even understand what he meant by bounce back because he put, like, he got embarrassed and his whole style was basically negated by Leon, you know? Yeah, him trying to get defensive on the feet was absolutely re- retarded for the first two rounds. Um, not first two rounds, first, like, four rounds. Yeah. You you were open. In order to get your game plan across, you're going to have to get hit. That's just the way you formulated your style. So to try and change that now after a two-year layoff against one of the best strikers in the division, good, good fucking idea, bro. Good idea. And that's why your leg got chewed the fuck up. That's what happens. I heard now in the post-fight and after the fight, they're saying Bilal might be next. Yeah, because he weighed in. Yeah, but Bilal's gonna give a better fight than this motherfucker because Bilal's gonna I, keep I totally the game plan. But we seen the first fight, what was going down? Leon, Leon looked like he was gonna dog walk him, and now we're gonna see. But I Bilal's see. actually been making improvements, though we've seen that, so it, it's gonna be a lot more interesting. Yeah, that's which is crazy to fight. say. It's crazy <laughs> yeah. to say that Bilal Muhammad's about to have an interesting fight, a more interesting fight than somebody. That's wild to say. Yeah, man, I I agree with that. Um... It's it's crazy. It's it's really crazy because I remember you sending me the video of him getting his shit rocked. Yeah. So and I, I want to see more of that, but I you know he he's trying he's trying to do better. So let's see what this title when the title fight is gonna happen. I'm not sure. I don't even think Dana put it out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know it's in the rankings. Did you see that uh, Vicente Luque? The only the reason why Kevin Holland didn't fight Vicente Luque is because Kevin Holland was booked for uh MVP. MVP. Yeah. That's crazy. That's gonna be fire. Yeah, man, that's gonna be an insane fight. I feel bad for Luque though, because what's he? I heard Ian Gary got re rebooked with somebody else. Yeah, with uh, Jeff Neal or something like that. Oh yeah, because that was supposed to happen, wasn't it? Yeah, that was supposed to happen, but Jeff Neal had some issues or something like that. But now what's Vincente Luque supposed to do? He's just passed out. Now. Dana said he, he offered Vicente a couple people, but he said no. But I'm like, who were you offering him? I didn't watch the press conference. He said that? Yeah. Damn, I wonder who he was offering. But like he was with it with Kevin, so it's like, who are you offering for Vicente to say no? You know what I'm it's, saying? Maybe he was offering him just pure grapplers or something like that, because I don't know why he would say no. Maybe that's, he just wanted more of a question. striker. Yeah, too bad okay. for Vincente, bro. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, man. That would have been cool to see him on this card for sure. Oh, and I heard Gilbert Burns is matched up with um, with uh, Jack Madalena now. Really? Yeah, Jack Madalena. I think that's all in Miami for the Cheeto versus uh, uh, Sugar fight. That'll be interesting. That'll be a cool fight, to be honest. Yeah. So That'll we got. I think. Fight. I think it's MVP versus Kevin Holland. Uh. Gilbert Burns versus Jack Della Maddalena and Cheeto versus Sugar all on the same card. That's a stack card. That's a fire card. Oh, in that's, Miami that's a too. Stack card. You seen how many people were there? Just in the audience. Yeah. And the seating mm-hmm. arrangements were mad funny. Like even oh, before yeah. all that drama, just seeing um, we had GSP with Bass Rudin and um. Oh, why am I forgetting his name? The Iceman. Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell. And then you had Chuck Liddell next to Islam. And I'm like, Chuck Liddell is probably telling Islam, yo, I could take you. <laughs> yeah. And then Chuck Liddell's mad cool. I watched a podcast with him and um, 
and Rampage. Taco Bell is mad cool. And then uh, what else? Who else was there? Fucking, I seen a lot. Yeah, a bunch of people. Robbie Lawler was there. Oh yeah, shout out Robbie. Man, that was great. Yeah, good card. I bet Robbie Lawler was tight. He was like, "Why couldn't I get this guy when I fought him?" Real talk. When I get Kobe, this this version of him. Real talking fake. I need to see that happen. I let Robbie get his get back, man. Robbie's retired, bro. (laughs) But I I think he can still piece Kobe right now. Nah, nah, I won't go that far. But all right, now let's talk about what they made us wait until like the very end of the card to see the drama between Strickland and Duplicis. Yeah. Dana admitted to, I seen this clip. Dana admitted, like, oh, that's my fault. Like, I, I yeah, he put that together. He's like, damn. Yeah, you, and then, um, so yeah, if anyone doesn't know, Sean Strickland and and um, Drickris had a fight. Uh, well, basically, Sean Strickland jumped at him, um, after he said something to him at the like by the cage, cage side. They were seated, like, there was a, uh, just a robe in between them. It was Brandon Moreno right behind them too. <laughs> yeah, and what's his name? Um, Gilbert Burns was sitting right next to Sean Strickland and his kids, and he just told it. He told Gilbert Burns' kids to move out the way. He hopped over the chairs and just started walling like fucking people's elbow to Sean Strickland's face, <laughs> just striking him. And the security just jumped in and and broke him apart pretty quickly. But yeah, bro, Sean Strickland's not it. the one to be to be like. Doing this too, like Sean Strickland wants to kill a man, so and he's standing on his business, you know. So yeah, that's why I respected it. Drick, I I was just gonna be excited for this fight, but Drick is kind of like he, you've seen his press conference. What he was saying, "What was he saying?" I I didn't see the places. they they had a press conference after the press conference for this this card for the Canada card that's next, mm. and um, Drickus was basically saying like. You know, they were just saying they it seemed kind of cordial at first. They're just saying they're gonna have a good fight, da da da. And then Drickus comes out of nowhere. He's like, "Oh, well, no." First, Sugar Sugar Sean goes, "Oh, um, because you know Sean Strickland was saying something about how uh, Sugar's wife. He's a cuck. Like, he oh, yeah, basically yeah, called yeah. him a cuck." Yeah, and Sugar said, "Oh, at least I didn't get molested by my dad." Oh, I did see that. I think I saw right? that clip. Yes. Which already that that's kind of messed up too. I'm not. Yeah, I don't know the truth of that. I know that he was abused by his dad. Da da da. But we should. He's pretty open about that. But like that's for him to be open about. You know what I'm saying? That's not for other people to be open about. Yeah, and then Drick is basically like I think like two comments later, basically brought it up. He was like, "Oh, I'm gonna make you um have flashbacks to when your dad was beating you as a kid." Da da da. And I don't know, bro. I just, I just feel like I don't like that trash talking. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, Sugar's a big name in the sport, but um, it's just kind of indicative, like I was saying, about what society's going through right now. This is the people that we put you know, so high. Speaking about the press conference, I think it was the same when um they had Wonder Boy talking, and Kobe was trying to talk to Wonder Boy, and Wonder Boy was just like not even trying to entertain that shit. Oh, yeah, he was calling him a pedophile. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, it, the thing is, like, bro, I'm going to say this right now. Kobe, he has his one-liners and stuff, but he's getting carried by the people, his fans. He's not that charismatic, like, funny. Like, he has a couple one-liners. He's stumbling on his words the entire time. Like, he'd be saying the wrong word. Like, he, like, 
if you have bad CTE or whatever it is, or you're not a good public speaker, don't try and say one-liners or shit like that that you have pre-rehearsed. And if you don't have it in your head to be naturally charismatic, naturally funny or anything like that, bro, just stop. Like, you already have the fan base. This this is getting, like, so cringe. It's getting so cringe to yeah. me. Like, I, I can tell you're rehearsing your lines, and you're not Chael Sonnen, bro. You're not. <laughs> Chael Sonnen is a very good, literate person. Older this shit, bro. He, he's very good at talking, and he, he could do that scripted line shit. Conor McGregor never had a script, bro. It was he's just, just that good on the top of his dome. Conor and just the that good. So I would say this for Sugar, and I would say this for Kobe as well. They kind of have two different fan bases, but two kind of, I would say, low IQ fan bases. Mm. <laughs> That's as far as I'll go. <laughs> so you guys have similar fan bases. And they're really carrying you guys because you guys are not charismatic. They are carrying. They're carrying hard too. They're not charismatic characters, bro. Like sugar, but when you put sugar is a great fighter. I love watching him fight. I love the lifestyle that he lives from the podcast and the shit I see. But when it comes to talking on the mic, bro, this guy is trash, bro. Yeah, it'd be it'd be something going up in that brain. I'm not gonna lie. And Colby just tries to say the most rude be, thing to somebody, but bro, sick shit, like. You were out of the sport for two years because you're crying about Jorge Masvidal jumping you. I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do because Masvidal had a whole five rounds to do something about it. But come on, bro. I'm not getting it here. This is contradictory. And you guys sure. you guys aren't entertaining. And the only way you guys get entertainment is by, by, by you know, saying shit like that. Like, Sean Strickland's actually been through some shit. Exactly. That's why you can't, can't be... You know, I, I saw the the post fight conference and people were asking Dana this question too, like, what like what is going to happen if people like start trash talking like this, like what we've seen between Kobe and and shit between Strickland. We need to stop that type of trash talking. That shit, like, you should get fined mm-hmm. immediately for stuff like that because it's not cool. You know, I understand that, you know, you may have some animosity, but keep it to animosity. And yeah. all this extra shit that's coming in now is just hurting the UFC at this point. And it's yeah. hurting the fighters. Because I'm going to be honest, man. If, like, the way I saw Strickland hop on top of that chair and then come down with the elbow, like, that could have been a brawl right there. And he could have ended it right there. Yeah, I mean, and for the face-off, you never see Sean Strickland like mad at a face-off. He's usually he's laughing, happy, you know, look, trying like to do look, something. not trying to look in your eyes or nothing. He's saying jokes and shit. This guy was mad. He was trying to fight on the stage, and um, yeah, that could be a bad thing or a good thing for him. It, it doesn't really matter for the fight. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm just saying this is this is not a good look, bro. I agree. And and Drick is seems like the type of guy where he used to be at least. It used to be just about the fight. Like, you used to just say, like, you know, we're just going to fight. We're going to like, figure it out. Then, da 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 Now you're saying this, bro. And it's just indicative of what, what you need to do to get some attention now. I agree. Oh, you look at Son Strickland. He comes from such a dark past and whatnot. He's still trying to bring some positivity, some light to the world. That's all he's, he's trying to do. He's a bit of a sociopath and stuff like that. So it's going to come out a different way. But you guys have a certain level of platform. And you're going to be laughing about this and that. Laughing about people's dead family members, laughing about people's traumas and shit. Like, come on, man. 
I even like Strickland's pod. I'd be listening to his pod. He'd just be talking regular Strickland stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it was... Everything he tries to do is in the benefit of trying to help him and the people around him. Yeah. So I'm always with that side. And lately, as you said, the curve and the trash talking and what are what the fighters are doing to gain their attention and rise... You know, we got to bring it back to the fighting and the real good things you do for the community. Yeah, it's crazy. We live in a world right now where the person that should actually be a role model, people that people should actually be looking up to, is a freaking sociopath that admits that he wants to kill somebody, is more rational, more kind than some than people that, you know, than the people that are actually popular. Yeah, and that's crazy. That's that's kind of insane. That That shows you like, damn. Shit is twisted right now. For sure. Yeah, that, it just came to... It was just in my head since seeing all this shit. Like, in the same weekend, too. It's just kind of fucked, man. Yeah, definitely. You know, all, you and I, we'll definitely talk about that on another note on a different pod. Um, Get into that my discussion. My fault, guys. I just, it just, it just, it's okay. You know, it's MMA it, news as well. So it it is, not, it, it, everything, everything correlates with each other now, you know? Yeah. So... We'll touch into that path maybe next week, maybe the week after. And uh, anything else you want to say about the card? Other than the main event, it was a pretty good card. Pretty good card. Yeah, uh, solid fights to end the card off, to end the year. And 2024 is looking promising. Thanks. And with that, job bless and be great. We love y'all.